It's time for the Masters of the Universe Chronicles commentary, focusing on a classic episode as we join the hosts, Chris Vint and James Etock, and hear their thoughts on their chosen episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Masters of the Universe Chronicles commentary. I just big that up there um, just a little bit and uh, I have beside me, well not literally beside me but on the other end of the Skype telephone the man, the myth, the legend oh no that's hyphenated it's leg end, uh, James Etel hello to you James hello Chris, pleasure to be here again as, as always a beautiful intro- introduction well, I, I do try, you know, like you said, you wanted to be the hostess with the mostess, so I'm trying to build you up as best I can, and for some reason all these comedy elements uh, come Same into my color. head. Yeah, it's terrible. So James, obviously we're here to discuss another classic episode to coin a phrase from yourself, so what are we actually going to talk about today? We are going to do the Season 1 He-Man episode, Eternal Darkness, featuring no Skeletor, but Evil Lynn does show up. Lucky oh, for yes. us. Indeed. So, are you ready for the the LW okay. countdown? Since you were so fond of initials with double K and all, okay. you know, we'll go LW now. Well, so, weapon, here we go. Three, two, one, play. Okay. He-Man punches the screen, boof. There we go. Oh, if you wonder what we're talking about when we say He-Man punches the screen, it's because we're looking at the UK DVD sets, and when you press the select button on the episode, He-Man pops up and punches the screen. We're not crazy. And of course, the DVD content co-producer was none other than me. No, it was just, wasn't. It was GMT Talk. <laughs> I always forget. Yeah, um, obviously, me and uh, Dave Dagar and Newman did the um, commentaries for 18 episodes across the season one. But we also did. Uh, well, I also did the a um, lot of the uh, content on it. Like, like to. I mean, <laughs> looking back, they're pretty awful. But I had to write the profiles and. Um, I assembled a lot of the animation art from collectors like Lee, Leah Pearson and uh, Lee Clevenger were a couple of the art collectors and stuff from myself. But it was it was a uh, it was a lot of fun working on. My favourite disc was um, Volume Seven, which I think was the House of Shikoti ones. Um, I interviewed Robert Lamb for that, and he um, he we, we did the whole thing and he sent it over. So I've got all this footage which I had to edit from like two and a half hours down into about I think 40 minutes in the end. A lot, a lot of good stuff on there. No, it was, it was a beautiful, you know, thing. Because he talked about Shira, I think, but I couldn't include all of that. But, um, sorry, that's that's something else altogether. <laughs> go with um, Eternal Darkness, which interestingly starts off with the Snake Mountain theme song as the title card, and goes into the episode itself, which is rare because usually the title card music is independent from the episode that follows. Oh, so you think? Weird start, but why are the edges all blurred? And, you know, if you know anything about Saturday morning cartoons or even TV in general, that means dream or flashback. <laughs> yes, I guess it's a dream and hopefully not a flashback. But Adam's saying he can't find a sword, he can't turn into He-Man. Yeah, these are um, slime monsters which existed during the time of Dark Dream. Mm-hmm. Who uh, we find out a little bit about that guy throughout the episode this is interesting because um, this <laughs> it's weird Adam's Nightmare has these creatures appear but it all takes place what apparently what obviously is Snake Mountain but I don't think it's supposed to be Snake Mountain it's just supposed to be a terrifying environment for him to have his dream in Adam's subconscious 
<laughs> for Cringer, that could be really anywhere. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this is it. Oh, go Sorry, on. go on. I was going to say, it's interesting this um, sequence coming out where Adam's having a nightmare because you watch it and he's animated like twisting and turning under the bed covers. Oh, it's all having a bad dream. You'll see it here. Look at that, right? You see a lot. The weird thing about it is, I've I've got one cell from this, and they actually drew all of Prince Adam underneath the bed moving, and then put the cover on top of him, which seems crazy <laughs> because why would you animate? You know, if you, if you've got one scene which is someone twisting and turning the bed specifically for that episode, why would you have and the bed cover going to be over them? Why would you draw all that? I guarantee they didn't draw King Randall's legs in this shot. Quick, <laughs> my legs. We see that um, the king and queen, oddly, or not oddly, depends on uh, what you uh, believe, or they sleep in um, separate beds. Is that a happy married couple? Maybe it is. Maybe, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Oh, and man at arms without his helmet. I never thought we'd see the day. No. And here we do. We also see him without helmetless in um, Return of Granomir. Taylor without a tiara. A very odd shaped bed as well. Yeah. <laughs> I love the way they're just like hovering over. <laughs> I love the way even in in a sleep, Teela's hair remains in in that beautiful, you know, beehive bun kind of thing she's got going on. <laughs> Adam and Cringer. I should say, um, with regards to this episode, uh, it was one of those again that. I talked about this during the Time Corridor commentary that uh, they, they wrote many episode um, ideas, concepts, whatever you want to call them, premises. And one of them was called Eclipse on Eternia. And in that episode, the, the brief premise said that Skeletor creates an eclipse. And you think, oh, okay, that relates to this episode a lot. But in that episode, it was solved by He-Man rearranging the planets, you know, as you do, to uh, <laughs> prevent the eclipse. <laughs> King Rand were there talking and Mordena just standing in the background again doing yeah. nothing. Oh, she would eventually, thankfully, thanks to yes. uh, Bob Ford. But the, um, the interesting thing about what I like about this is that Dark Dream is uh, a villain that you know we, we've never heard of before, but everybody else has. So it gives him an interesting background already. We know he's a threat without him having to present himself as a threat. You know, this guy is already a bad dude. And then here we obviously, Evil Lynn, working independently. As she did, does in um, the defection as well, with working with um, Gorgon on the Isle of Tears. You know, when uh, that's that's one of the best things about Evil Lynn. When when the opportunity arises, she can you know work with the best of them. Smartest out of Skeletor's henchmen, it's fair to say. Henchmen, okay, people, yeah. sorry. <laughs> if I, yeah. I don't know. Some people would say she's a henchman. Interesting. I don't know. If, I can't remember if I've mentioned this before, but on um, her character model, it's funny. You look at her and you think she's got like a standard flesh color, but if you look at her model sheet and the actual cells of her, it's slightly yellowed. Not obviously as much as, but slightly yellowed, much like the toy of her is. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously that's that bright, garish yellow. But uh, the model sheet of her is actually going that way, but it's never apparent on TV just because the colors don't come out as beautifully as they do on the cells. As good as these DVD remasters are. Of course. And we get we get an interesting uh, thing here with uh, Orko's convenient di um, hearing. He can hear, uh, what is it, a man says, a pin drop in the Tanglewood Forest. Now, we've never had that before, 
but, but obviously this serves the plot because Matt, um, they're all like, okay, like, I can hear explosions. Like, what explosions? Cue uh, story. Oracle has about the better hearing than a dog would, it's safe to say. And yeah, how come Man at Arms didn't think, we're all having bad dreams, I'll go and make a dream analyzer? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they've got, um, what have they got? They've got the, uh, the thing in Taylor's Quest at the beginning where they look at the uh, memories of Queen Marlena and Prince Adam. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. So he's got one of those. He's got the um, the thing that, what was it, in, in Origin of the Sorceress, which looks at Stridor's thoughts to realise he wants to be free. So, you know, he's, he's got a device for every occasion. But, yeah, Man-at-Arms only uses it once and then chucks it away. Then he just like, I don't need this anymore. Well, the funny thing is, in that episode, I think I mentioned before, he designs the Maturator, and in an episode, it invents the Duplicator, both of which do the same thing. <laughs> like, oh man, Arms, you're, you're, you're redesigning your own designs now, you know. Creates that much stuff he doesn't know what to do. So here we see Adam and Tila. Adam and, yeah, Adam and Tila flying away. I just don't know why, I thought that was somebody else there. But, well, no, um, in, the, um, in the UK airing, when they reran this episode, that entire scene. Well, they, which makes sense in a way, because you think, what, what part of this episode do you not need to see? And that entire scene with them running towards the sky sleds, sky sleds and getting on the sky sleds and flying off, was all of that was omitted. So it just went from Adam and Taylor walking out of shot to uh, this scene in Dark Dreams uh, prison. Well, again, this, this uh, oh, yeah, it's a great episode, this. But this is the only part of the story that doesn't really make sense. We don't find out... You know how the Crimson Valley and Dark Dream is. We hear about these explosions. Who's setting off these explosions? We don't see these characters setting off the explosions that are loosening Dark Dream's tomb. You know, it's all. There, there seems to be like everything's going on, but it's not quite connecting. No, I don't think it's Michael Bay. No, it's not. No. So here we go. So yeah, this was in in the UK airing of the episode. This is the first time we see them on the sky sleds. This is a, a really, really good action scene. Slightly, uh, you have to kind of um, take it with a pinch of salt just because Adam out-accelerates Teela on the sky sled, transforms into He-Man, runs up a mountain, and then saves her as she's still coming down. So it's like, you really could do all that, but uh, it's, it's, a good, it's a great little action scene. And it's, it's, it's a nice little dynamic between the, these two. Adam. It's all the way as well, Adam's on the sky sled and his legs are, you know, like, just totally straight, whereas Tila's aren't and almost like her butt is sticking out, just maybe flaunting what she has in front of Adam. Yeah, well, it's, it's that whole thing of, uh, if you look at a lot of shots, they always tended to uh, accentuate Tila's bootocks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice coin of phrase there, sir, I must say. <laughs> um, but this is a great, I, I love this scene with uh, Dark Dream fighting, yeah, 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 just laughing and Adam, his hair's moving, filmation of spending money again. Um, but yes, it's a great action, so you think, oh, this is like really against the run of things. Yeah, right, Teela is bent over, look at that. Mind you, she's, a, she's got her head on the dashboard now. If you notice, we've, um, very rare that filmation ever got uh, sinking wrong, like sinking issues, but here you see Prince Adam say, by the power of Grayskull, the dialogue is way out of the... Um, actual uh, lip sync. Again, you just spotted something that I've never done. This is one thing I love about these commentaries, is these little things. I've never noticed that before, but it's something that you could easily notice. Oh, it's just, uh, it's, I remember just, I always watched Transformation as a kid, and 
I could I could probably hear a transformation just with the audio and tell you what it's from. There's a future <laughs> quiz. I could literally do that. That's a scary thing. Um, but yeah, this uh, it's a great little action scene and it ends uh, highly appropriately. I think at the original is it in the original script at the end of uh, at the beginning of Act Two, He-Man uses like a nearby was it a log and boulder to create a seesaw device, enabling him to jump up onto Teela's sky slope. But obviously. He's He-Man with the strongest leg muscles in the universe. All he does is jump. <laughs> I like. There's there's a great little moment here when he's like, "I helped you land." She's like, "You?" But how did I land? No, I helped you. You? Yeah. Come on, let's. You? I certainly don't believe that. <laughs> See, look right now, just under them. If you look, there's like a giant crack, but you can hear these explosions, and again, it's like. They're going to break open the seal completely, and it's like, well, why don't you change it to He-Man and make sure they don't break open the seal? Or, you know, what is, who's trying to break it open? Is it these three? It, I don't quite get what's going on. <laughs> so I'm having a breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, James. It's okay. Calm down. Right. Yeah. Well, one thing I'll say about this episode is obviously we have Dark Dream, one of the villains who'll never appear again. Much like Evil Seed, you know, like they were both great villains, but you don't see them again. No, it's true. I mean, um, you know, obviously Evil Seed would amazingly, amazingly show up in the 2002 series, which I think shocked many people. It was like Evil Seed didn't shock me because uh, I got an email from uh, Mike Young Productions saying, "Can you tell us about Evil Seed?" And I thought, "Why do they want to know?" And then obviously <laughs> the episode comes out. But um, yeah, this uh, villains like Dark Dream, I mean, him especially, deserved a, a reappearance. It's just a shame because, you know, as the first season was being worked on, then, you know, when the second season started, they they let's bring back Negator, let's but but not all the great characters came back, which was a shame. Yeah. The other thing to mention, obviously, well, not, not not so much obviously, but this episode deals with Eternia's moon. We see it, moon. Now, in the Shadow of Skeletor, it says there's two moons for Eternia, the light and dark moon. And then in uh, Into the Abyss, we see two moons. In, oh, what else? The She-Ra episode, uh, oh, He Ain't Heavy, we see two moons on Eternia. In, oh, I'm trying to think, other episodes we see two moons, but in um, Jacob and the Widgets, we see one moon again. That's the one that He-Man just pushes, which is one of the worst scenes in the history of He-Man. But it's it's quite interesting because you, you're always wondering how many moons are there. All right, I should mention here this is where the eclipse starts. So now the um, the screen is slightly dimmer. They're using less exposure on the camera. There's no trickery. It's just like they they under I think I believe it's underexposed. So therefore, we're only getting like probably 75% of the um, uh, footage outside there. Is obviously we're inside at the moment with Adam looking at the uh, eclipse. But the funny thing is. Um, when this episode aired on TV in the 80s, I mean, in the UK, I had it. I've still got it on VHS somewhere. And the quality, as soon as it goes to the eclipse, you can't see what's happening. Yeah. Because you know, back then, you were you were getting terrestrial. You know, it's coming down your aerial. There was no remastering or anything like that. So what you were getting was like VHS masters, and the quality was generally generally quite awful. So. You could see Stratos in this scene, but you could barely see him, and you could make out the white, so it was really hard to watch. Yeah. The interesting thing here is that this is a great episode for the Zor and Sorceress uh, connection, but we see there that Zor transforms into um, 
uh, uh, Sorceress transforms into Zor right in front of Strauss. Now, technically, that's breaking continuity. Because Strauss isn't supposed to know that they're the same character. As Teela doesn't know. They, they're all supposed to think of Zor as, like, you know, maybe an ally, but not the Sorceress in, in yeah. uh, Falcon 4. As Because, uh, obviously, the evil warriors don't know. That Falcon's, you know, capture that Falcon. And off goes the... Uh, the nether bats. Yeah, because it's really only people who know Adam's secret. Secret, yeah. Man, know exactly. the sorcerer's Azor. Because basically, whenever Zor would fly over, and Adam, Adam goes, "Oh, I, uh, I better leave." And they're like, "Why?" Every time that falcon flies over, does Prince Adam leave? If they knew it was a sorceress, they'd be like, "Why is the sorceress contacting Prince Adam?" But you know, Strauss, maybe, maybe the sorceress and him had a connection because they were bird people, technically. You know. I like this uh, dark dream just the coaxing the sorceress out he doesn't realise that he's already got her it's nice the way he asks as well you know he doesn't just barge in sorceress are you there I'm here to conquer Grayskull <laughs> this, I, I like that as well when he, he, he sees man at arms and it's like there's this they've known each other for a good few years and had a few confrontations in the past I love is it Tabor or Tavor I think it's Tavor Tavor and um He's, he's a great little uh, comic foil to Dark Dream, you know. There's the whole thing earlier about you turn the Banshee jungle into a desert, and he's like, everybody makes mistakes. And now, you know, all he's got to do is just uh, cause an eclipse, and instead he turn he makes, he, he calls the moon towards Eternia, so now obviously it's on a collision course. But here we go, it's like, you know, the future of Eternia is in jeopardy. The man at arms is like, we should tell, tell him they've got the sorceress so she can help. And the sorceress says, you can't tell, you basically can't give away the secret. Yeah, but Strauss knows. And they'll be like, what? <laughs> 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 like a silly on. woman. Yeah, Strauss has got a thing going on. There we go. The moon's getting closer. It's getting very, very, very quickly closer. See, this is, uh, you know, we get another thing. It's uh, another plot convenience. Man at Arms is working on no Droxin. And now... I just happen to have some on me, you know. Oh, fantastic! Let's uh, let's use that explosive to knock the moon out of the orbit. This is—I I just like this scene because it's like the heroes and villains facing off one another. They need to work with each other, but you know, Adam can't get away at the moment to transform. Obviously, Evelyn does what she does so wonderfully. See ya. <laughs> so if I want to know where she's gone, if the moon's on a collision course, has she left Eternia? Dark, Dark Dream's comical run. <laughs> Wonder who the animated him to run. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some guy in a big cape. Just right, go run. I can't run in a cape. Just run the big bedspread to get his health and safety. <laughs> There's an interesting um, transformation coming up. Uh, we see Prince Adam from far away. You know, in the uh, transformation poses, I like to call it, where he, you know he's got his arms raised and. Uh, in the original layouts, he was he was going to reach for the sword still in the long shot. So in other words, you know, you'd see him reach for the sword in this shot, and then it'd, it'd catch up with the uh, the close up. But they decided, now nah, let's just do it all in one. And if you look there as well, weirdly, this makes no sense. When he st when you when the camera pans up towards the sword, as soon as the lightning explodes, you see that he's actually stood outside Castle Grayskull. But that would be impossible because everybody would see him transform. Because <laughs> he's supposed to be doing it in hiding, you know, and he does it. If you look at that panning shot, you see Grayskull is right behind him. There's an interesting little scene coming out where he uh, grabs Taylor. 
They exchange a glance, but I think that's in the following scene. Yeah. Just wanted to sleep on my feet. <laughs> I've done it on the tube. Uh, <laughs> the, under the underground train in London, and uh, I've fallen over doing it, so I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> All right, okay. Do it at your own risk, people. Yes, you have been warned. Here we go. It is up to out. Oh, no, was it our fate was in the hands of He-Man? But I love this little shot here. You see, um, Teela wake up, kind of like, and then she realises she's in the arms of He-Man. She's like, oh, what? He-Man? And she's all happy. She's like, oh, go back to sleep quickly. Back to sleep <laughs> yeah. quickly. Here we go. So yeah, that one will be perfect. He says. I think. You better say that. <laughs> Smash it you scare me sometimes, you really do. I love this, uh, here's the convenient no droxel. We'll just use this. I can't stand the animation the way He-Man throws it. Not so much the throw, but the way we see the rock coming towards the screen. It just looks horrid. And also, put it this way, if this was the shadows of Skeletor, He-Man's just killed a, an entire population of people living on the moon. Because uh, obviously, that's you know continuity-wise, that's either the light or dark moon. And here we go. The, the moon is supposed to be going out of its orbit, but it just looks like it's being eaten by the sun. And then we find out Dark Dreams. I don't know why Tavor vanishes, because he's not Dark Dream. But uh, we're not going to argue. Heroes have saved the day. You know what? They look look at their watches. It's about that time for a, a gag from Orko, I think. And here he goes. Let's go on a picnic. Why? Because I want to tell a joke. <laughs> I do like man arms a little like Oracle outside of his mouth. Yeah. Always it seems to happen in poor man at arms laboratory. There's um there's some good scenes of Orko like uh innocently tormenting man at arms in oh, the once and future Jew. There's a lot of really beautiful direction in that episode, uh, also from season one. And man at arms is like, Why me? Why is it always me? And he just thinks, <laughs> Poor guy. And this is I actually always I always like this moral because I think it's um in terms of what He-Man is in its uh, basic form as a kid's show, it's a really good one because it's basically saying there's nothing wrong with having nightmares. And I think as a kid, you kind of, you know, I, I remember having nightmares as a kid. I don't remember watching this moral thinking, ooh, because funnily enough, the the UK airings often cut out the moral. So we were, uh, we, we had a misspent youth because we weren't taught the lessons by He-Man on the cup. <laughs> yeah, we weren't told. If you have bad dreams, go and tell someone. Yeah, but I, I, that's, like a, that's a really good moral. Like, that's like one that's really connecting with the audience as opposed to um, something like Trouble in Arcadia which talks about the Magna Carta which would be lost on a lot of kids to be honest yeah so another fun episode uh, what do you particularly like about that episode uh, above all others would it be just the fact that it's the only appearance of Dark Dream then James I think that's one of the plus points but it's also the pacing of it I just f think it's really well done it's like it's set up really nicely. You know, Dark Dream doesn't appear too early. It appears at just the right moment. The confrontation at Castle Grayskull is well done. It's, it's, it's just paced throughout the whole thing. It doesn't, none of it feels rushed or too slow. It's just, it flows very well. And it's, uh, yeah, it's one of the, uh, one of the be better to best um, episodes of the series. Okay. And on that note, James, thank you very much for again for giving us uh, little tidbits and uh, just sharing the James E. Talk knowledge of the Filmation cartoon. It's much appreciated as always. Thank you very much for having me.
Uh, always a pleasure. Well, that's another um, commentary done, so tune in next month for another commentary, another full episode of the Masters of the Universe Chronicles. I hope to hear from you all soon. Until next time. In today's story, I had a bad dream. You know, bad dreams or nightmares happen to everyone, and they can seem pretty real, but they aren't. They're no more real than any make-believe story or fairy tale. So don't be ashamed or afraid of telling anybody about your dream. It happens to all of us. And like so many other things, talking it over with your mother or your father or maybe even a good friend can make you feel a whole lot better. Bye for now and pleasant dreams. Let the power return!